Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome to the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast with your host, Tom Singer. In each episode, we explore the interesting lives of business leaders, entrepreneurs, solopreneurs, and others who have a healthy dose of the entrepreneurial spirit. It is time to explore something cool. Now, here is your host, Tom Singer. Hello, hello, and welcome to another episode of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. Thanks for tuning in. Hey, this episode is going to be a little different, and it may not relate to everybody because it's specific about something I'm about to do. However, when I think about it, it really relates to people in every single industry. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. The reality is if you listen to this show, you know how strongly I believe it's important that you get involved in your trade inspiration because you're going to get around some really interesting people. You're going to have the ability to learn what's going on in your industry. And if you play it right, you're going to make amazing friendships and you're going to have a lot of fun. So tomorrow will be my ninth time that I will be attending the National Speakers Association Annual Conference. It's now called Influence, but nine years ago it was just called the Annual Conference. Uh, it now has sort of some branding element to it, so it's in, in Influence 2017. But the excitement level for this year's conference, it'll be the ninth time that I've attended, is higher than I remember in most years. Now, when you first get involved with something, there's a little bit of trepidation when you show up for the first time. Uh, so there's a little excitement that goes with it. You don't know what you're going to expect. You don't know what you're going to find. However, the second time, you're excited to go back because you had a good experience and you've made some friends. You've met and had a few connections that you kept in touch with throughout the year. The third year is when it really clicked in for me. That was the year I was so excited to go. I had learned so much the first two times that I attended. That The third year was great, but come around five, year six, Seven, I don't know, somehow it sort of plateaus out. And, and in observing people who attend events like this, many of them after, I don't know, three or four years, they find reasons not to keep going back. Now, in my case, I have had to go every single year. And the reason for that is that they do something pretty cool. They have a youth leadership program, and this is for kids ages, I think it's 10, my, my kids started at about 12 through age 16, and then the kids can stay on as sort of a camp counselor or, or a youth leader, as they call it. And my daughter went with me the second time I ever went to a National Speakers Association. I brought my daughter, who was, I think, 12 or 13 years old. Now, the first time I went, I didn't know this program existed. Plus, I was just going to check the whole thing out. I, I didn't want to necessarily bring my kid with me. But people who had their kids there were like, oh, you should bring your daughter to this program next year. And so I did. And what happened is, is that Jackie really got a lot out of the program. She, she met a bunch of kids uh, who were the children of professional speakers. But the leadership program itself, it's, people always think it's like speaking camp for the kids. We don't teach them to speak. However, about 25 or 30 years ago, somebody at the National Speakers Association looked around and said, how come all the kids are in the swimming pool? And Zig Ziglar is sitting over there having a cup of coffee. Next year, how about we get an extra ballroom at the hotel and we put all the kids in there. And then we get some of the top life skills and leadership speakers in the world 
to go in and talk to these kids and, and teach them stuff that can be useful in their life. Plus, then they can be in a formal program. And so they did that, and, and it really did take off, and it sells out every year. I forget if it's 125 or 150 kids, but my daughter got a lot out of it. And as she got older, she wanted to go back as a youth leader. Her sister, then at 12 years old, started attending. This will be the eighth and, and final time that Jackie will be part of the program. And Kate now has two more years in the program and has seen her sister participate as a leader and would like to go back and do it. So it's really become more than just going to a conference for me. It is an entire family vacation where we all go together. Now, my wife's not involved with NSA, so she doesn't go. But since we're all flying across the country, my wife comes with us uh, either before or after, and we do a family vacation in the region. So the last few days, we've spent some time in Fort Lauderdale and Miami and really kind of soaking up the beauty that is Florida. And then we'll be in Orlando for the National Speakers Association. So uh, like I was saying, when I got into this, I've been going for all these years. I never could sort of skip when I sort of felt that lull. But this year, there's sort of that excitement again. There's sort of a, uh, for me personally, there's this uh, feel of getting to go and it's kind of a reunion. I get to see a lot of friends. I walk away with a lot of inspiration. One of my closest friends in the association, someone who's become a dear, important friend in my life, he is going to be one of the closing keynote speakers. So I'm excited to see him speak. One of my other friends from my mastermind group is earning his certified speaking professional, his CSP designation. So I'm excited to be there to share in that for both of them. And then I have also been asked this year to participate as one of the presenters. I am going to be the speaker at the first timer. Uh, program the, the the about an hour and a half sort of speech and mixer for the people who've never been to the conference before and and for me I'm it's an honor to get to speak in any role like this for the National Speakers Association but this one in particular because there'll be a hundred or two hundred people who will be at the session but the cool part about it is that for a lot of people you know the first time you go to a conference really cements the experience that you'll have at that conference and and I'm glad that I get to play a little part of it. And then another thing I'm doing is a program called the Morning Buzz that I've done for several clients, which is an early morning program. You know, when you go to these events and you've been to a bunch of them where they have like breakfast, networking breakfast, and you go into a ballroom and there's a buffet or if it's a large conference, 10 buffets. And then you grab your thing, you go to a table and, and you talk to some people or maybe you and your friends plan to meet up and, and get a table at breakfast and talk or or there's you're having a business meeting during breakfast. And that's great. But some people want to start the day and like get some learning in and they want to have some formal networking. Maybe they're a little more introverted. And so we do a program called the Morning Buzz where they can get their breakfast. They can come into this one ballroom and then we're going to do an actual program where every morning it's different. One morning it's going to be a, like more of a presentation. Another morning is going to be a peer to peer mastermind group. And then on the last day, we're going to have everybody who comes. And it might be seven people. It might be 60 people. We're going to have them share what's the greatest piece of learning that you learned at this conference. So I get to facilitate that program every morning. And, and for me, that's really exciting that after nine years, I get to take kind of a, an, an involved role and not just be an attendee at this event. But what I wanted to talk about in this podcast was really about this whole idea of maximizing your attendance at a conference. And as I said, when I started out, I'm going to use the National Speakers Association as my framework. So if you're an NSA member, whether you've been to no conferences or 50 conferences, I think you'll learn a little bit about how to maximize attending influence 2017. But if you're 
not a speaker, if you're in a different industry and you're going to be going to a conference, I think you can walk away from this brief chat with some ideas uh, that will be really helpful. Although a lot of what we're going to talk about is going to be really National Speakers Association specific. And if that just isn't your thing, you know what? We're going to be back in a couple of days with an interview with somebody really cool. And so uh, you can fast forward through this. Uh, You can turn off this podcast. You can go back and listen to one of the other over 270 episodes of Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do. But I wanted to sort of get into this and just talk about the fact that, you know, it's all about making choices when you go to this conference because there's so many things to do. When you go to a four-day conference, it is so overwhelming. There are so many uh, keynotes. There are so many breakout sessions. And then you have all of the different uh, get-togethers. In, in the National Speakers Association, we have sort of affinity groups. So there's a group that I was really involved with and still am called NSAXY, and that was founded 10 years ago for sort of the younger speakers. Back then, it would have been about age 40 and down, and it's a different business if you're in your 30s uh, than it is if you're in your 40s, 50s, and 60s. Uh, Now, it's a generation group. Uh, When they founded it, they didn't want to do sort of uh, under 40 speakers or for, for sort of younger speakers because the peer group who had founded it was all around sort of the top of that Generation X age group, and they didn't want to necessarily age out. So they made it a generational group and they called it XY. It was mostly Gen Xers. There weren't a lot of people in their 20s who would have been the millennials, uh, the Gen Y folks. So they started it. And now 10 years later, it's a really strong group. It's three or 400 people strong. They have a uh, Facebook page where people are really active. And to be part of it, you have to be in that born 1964 or later. Now, it changes as the group get got bigger and as the people have gotten 10 years older, but the group has been really strong and it's sort of been an example for the National Speakers Association and for some other associations of how to start an affinity group, a group of people who have something in common who are within the greater program. Now, it used to be a little controversial. I can remember when I got involved, I've only been around eight years, but when I got involved, there were some people who thought, oh, well, that group is ageist. They're, they're, they're putting, they're not letting the older people who were in their fifties or sixties in. Well, it wasn't ageist. It wasn't like, oh, we're better than anybody else. I just think when you can find in a big organization of a couple thousand people, when you can find your little tribe, and in my day it was like 40 people, you create a home. And so there were a lot of people who pointed fingers and said, oh, that's an ageist group. But what has happened is, is it's kept people involved with the greater organization. There are people who didn't feel they were getting a lot out of being a member of the association, but they got so much out of that smaller group that they paid their dues so they could remain a part of it because we started a Facebook page, but we made sure that you were actually a dues-paying active member of the National Speakers Association because we didn't want to form a group that would compete with our own association. We wanted to support it. And now there's all types of other groups. Now, some of them are around longer and some of them uh, are newer, but there's a group called Power Women. And that is a group of women who they have a Facebook page and they do special get togethers and it's for women who are speakers. And you know what? As much as we want to say we're all the same in life, things are different. And for some people, that's the right group. I can't join it. And you know what? That's totally cool with me. There's black NSA. There is the rainbow NSA. There are the NSA for people who are pilots because it's just more of a fun group, I think. But I'm not a pilot, so I don't go. But here's the interesting thing. At the conference, you can go to any of the group's activities. NSA is going to have a 10th birthday party, and everybody can attend. You just can't be part of the Facebook page. So when you go to a conference, find your tribe. Find the people who are like you. If there's not a formal affinity group, start one. Or it doesn't have to be formal. You can just get together with your friends. So 
it is uh, it is something that I'm I'm really really excited about is how these affinity groups help people find their home and in associations sometimes people say oh no we're all one XYZ association but we're not people are still people and if the group gets too big for many people they just don't feel that they have a home and so if you're going to participate in an association and I really think you should you've got to make sure that you have found your home so also if you're an introvert or an extrovert the thing that you sort of have to remember is it's not about the parties. It's not about being an extrovert. In our society, we cherish the extrovert for some reason. We think, oh, he's the life of the party, or wow, she's just the star of this whole thing. But being an extrovert or an introvert isn't about like how much you can party or how much you like people. There's a lot of introverts who can be the life of the party. It's really about where do you get your own personal energy? Going to a conference like this can be absolutely overwhelming if it drains you. If you walk into a room of a thousand people and you are drained from it, naturally a lot of these people say, oh, I don't like going to that or I can't go to that. And they give up the benefits that come along with being part of the association. Whereas extroverts seem to like it, but I'll tell you what, as an extrovert, I get overwhelmed easily from being at a four-day conference. Oftentimes, I'll be the master of ceremonies, and so I have to be at everything. And because of that, when I get home, I just I just want to close the blinds and like roll up into a ball. It's like, get me away. I've been too, too much. So it doesn't matter if you're an introvert or an extrovert. Sometimes these things can be overwhelming. But if you're an introvert and it's draining for you to be at like every single party and every single event and having chat chat in the chit chat in the hallway, you know what? Just be true to who you are. Realize I need to schedule in some breaks and that is totally fine. Schedule in a bit, a little bit of time where you go for a run or you go for a walk or you leave the property or you go to your room and read a book or listen to music. Whatever it takes to charge you, take advantage of it. Schedule it in. And the best way to do that is before you get to the conference, review the entire agenda. Look for what interests you most and look for the areas where you think, you know what, I'm just going to buy the audio tapes from that session and I'm going to use that time to go off on my own, get a massage, do whatever I have to do. You have to be absolutely true to yourself because you want to make sure that you're sharing the experience with the people at the conference because if you're not, you're missing out because we build relationships through shared experiences. And that's what's so important is you have to make sure that you are participating in some of the key things. I think the most important things that you can participate in at a conference or go to all the general sessions where everybody's there. Because when you're there listening to the big keynotes, that is a shared experience for everyone. If you go to a break, if you don't go to a breakout session, so what? Not everybody saw that speaker. So you didn't really miss that community piece. But those general sessions and then also things like the opening party and the lunches and anything else that they do for everybody. When most people at the conference are participating, you need to find a way to be at that because when you share experiences, it gives you things to talk about later. Because again, the goal of doing this is finding your own tribe. There are so many people that go to these things that you need to find people who are like you. And you've got to be looking for what Adam Grant from uh, Wharton, from the, the uh, best-selling book Give and Take, calls uncommon commonalities. When you're meeting people and you're just having these conversations, if you're just asking them where are they from, what do they do, you know, blah, 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 just skimming along the top, you're never going to find those people. You have to ask a lot of questions and you have to keep your ear attuned so that you're really connecting with the people 
who are like you, who have things in common like you. I always say when you go for the first time to an association conference, meet people at your own level in your industry, build real friendships with people who you have something in common with, and then cultivate those relationships over the long time because you can turn them in to great experiences. If you're not hanging out with people who are like you, you may not have as easy of a time of building those important conversations. And then, you know, I like to remind people when you go, a great way to figure out who's participating and who's open to meeting people is look for the people who are on social media. Check out Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and look for who's posting pictures and who's saying things and and like them and follow them. And then when you meet them in the hallway, you can say, oh, I really liked what you said on social media. Use social media as a way to find those uncommon commonalities. Look for what people like. Now, it used to be people used Twitter a lot more at the National Speakers Association, and they used these the social media tools. I just don't see it as much, you know, in the recent years, and and that's okay too. You know, you don't have to um, be using it, but if you're a user of social media, pay attention to who else is using social media because there's something that you have in common, and then seek them out, or even send them a tweet and say, "Hey, I'd love to meet you at uh, the cocktail party tonight. I'll be standing over by that, you know." big potted plant and come over and say hello and maybe you'll have the chance to make a new friend that way because you have to start the conversations if you don't own networking if you're not making it your own at these events what's going to happen is you're going to say eh, I didn't really meet that many people or the content was good but but I didn't really have those connections with the people you have to realize that the people who are there some of them are introverted some of them have never listened to you know my podcast so they don't know that they have to own the hello and then on top of that some people are using it as a reunion they're so focused on seeing their old friends they don't notice you and you know what that's okay it's not their job to notice you it's your job to say hello to them and then after the event, just because you've met somebody, it doesn't make them part of your network. This is so important. Just because you've met someone once doesn't make them part of your network. Meeting someone once doesn't make them your friend. Meeting someone once makes them someone you have met once. And there's a huge difference between someone you've met once and someone who you have a long-term ongoing friendship with. So you have to take ownership, not just of meeting them, but of following up with them and establishing something that is like a foundation so that you can build that friendship on it on the years to come in the future. Now, I've been going to the National Speakers Association for eight years. This will be my ninth conference. And I tell people all the time that it was a life changer for me. I would never have been able to build my business if it wasn't for my involvement in NSA. And it's not because the association itself or the staff or anything like that did anything for me. It's the connections I made with other speakers. It's the example that they set, both directly and indirectly. I've had mentors. I've had mastermind groups. I've had peers who've been helpful. And at the same time, I've just been an observer and I've watched people. I never could have built this business. I would have had to go back and get a full-time job if I hadn't gotten involved with this association and really jumped in with both feet. But that meant I took a lot. But I also had to give a lot back, a lot of time. But if I hadn't invested in the people, they would have just been people I traded business cards with. Now, I'm a pretty social guy. I've always had a lot of friends. I was in a fraternity in college. I've always belonged to things. But if you were to ask me, who are the 10 best friends you have in your life? The 10. Five of them would be people I know from National Speakers Association. Now, that is a huge statement for me to make because I've known a lot of people. 
Five of them have popped up in the last eight years and all through this association. When I'm driving across country, you know, fly in, get a car, have to go give a speech two hours away, I'll get on the phone with people from NSA, some who are my close friends, some who I don't know as well, and I'll just post something on like the XY Facebook page. And I'll say, let's have a chat, someone will call me. We'll talk about the business, we'll share marketing ideas. But that builds friendship, that's how I know these people. Some of those phone calls that I've had have led to great in-person conversations at a conference that have led to true friendships. So you have to take ownership of how you're gonna cultivate these relationships. Now, I'm about to wrap it up and, and end this episode, and before I do, I just have to make sure that I thank my sponsor, because this podcast wouldn't happen if it wasn't for Podfly Productions. If you listen to the show regularly, you know that Podfly is the production company that I use to produce this show, and they have become a sponsor of this program, and I am so grateful to them for everything they have done, because if it wasn't for Podfly Productions, I wouldn't have been able to build my podcast up to over 270 episodes. Podcast does all the heavy lifting and the technical work so that I can focus on creating content, interviewing guests, and promoting the show. I'll tell you what, if you want to start a podcast, and I know a lot of you do, jump over to podfly.net slash cool things and check out the offer that they have for the listeners of this show. Now, I'm going to wrap this puppy up and, and get on and get on my way over to the National Speakers Association so that I can have the experience I want to have. But I just want to remind you that going to networking events, whether it's a conference or anything else, is not about some elevator pitch, right? It's not about going in and telling people who you are and what you do. If you want to really get noticed by people, you have to ask questions about them. Now, we all fall into problems with this, especially just imagine for a minute going to a conference with 2,000 professional speakers. Now, it, I mean, some people I know who are introverts, they make a cringy face when I ask that question. The thought of being around 200 people who talk for a living is just overwhelming. Well, it's overwhelming for those of us who are there too. And I'm a talker. I mean, I couldn't do a podcast if I didn't like to sit around and talk, right? I'm just talking to you right now, but I'm actually sitting in a hotel lobby talking into a microphone. It doesn't bother me at all. It's what I do. But you get 2,000 people like that, and it's easy for people to try and talk over each other. And it happens in every industry. People will come in, and they will be like wanting to sort of you know, show how great they're doing. It's not about talking about if you're having a great year. It's about learning from other people. It's about getting them to be able to share with you. So if you start off by talking about yourself, you know, people are thinking they're moving on. They really only care about themselves when they first meet you. So instead of having an elevator pitch where every time you meet somebody, you tell them who you are and what you do, memorize a bunch of questions. I actually have some notes for this conference where I go to where I am going to try and get three questions out before I ever talk about myself. Now, it doesn't always work because some, if someone asks me a direct question, I have to answer it. But that has been one of the most effective things I've done at conferences, especially because if not, I might fall into the trap where I'm talking about me. But by going in and talking about them and asking questions, it really does have the ability of really opening things up. And when you want to own that relationship cultivation piece, you have to make it about the other person. But it's easy to get caught up in distractions of everything that's going on. It's easy to get caught up in the fact that you're away from the office. You gotta be checking your phone all the time. And if you're spending your breaks, you know, feeling overwhelmed that you have to answer emails, if you're staring down at your phone, you're not gonna get to the level of the relationships that you wanna get to. And this is hard in our day and age. I mean, I do it all the time. I have my phone attached to me and I want to just keep looking down at it. 
But one of the rules we have with the kids and as a family is no screens at the table, meaning that when we're having a meal, nobody's looking at their phones. And I take that into the business world. When I sit at a luncheon, once I get to the table, I put my phone away. I don't glance at it. Now, if we're listening to a speaker and the speaker doesn't have me fully captivated, that's a different thing. But when you're in a social situation, sitting around the table, having salad, at that point, the phone shouldn't be on the table. It shouldn't be in your hand. It should be in your pocket or in your purse. When you're at a conference, it's so easy to think, oh, I gotta check what's going on. Maybe somebody's trying to hire me. Oh, I gotta see what the employees are doing back at the office. Take the time when you're with people to put it down. Part of what I talk about in the speeches I give is that when you're with people, you have to choose the people. And the technology can be a killer when you're at one of these conferences. And I see people at National Speakers Association do it all the time. While they're talking, they're looking at their phone. They're like, oh, sorry, I'm multitasking. No, you're not multitasking. You're being rude. If you have to check your phone, walk down the hallway. That sends a message that says, I've got something important to do. I'll be right back. But while you're sitting with people, try to be connected to those people. And going into a conference saying, yeah, yeah, I'm here, I'm here to make connections, talking about it isn't enough. You have to go farther than that. You have to actually be curious about people. If you really don't care, then everything I said doesn't matter. If you don't think it matters to be with people, if you don't think building relationships in your industry is going to help you propel your career farther along, then it really doesn't matter. However, if you're curious about people, I believe you're going you're gonna to have success. But you're the one who has to make it happen. To find your tribe, you have to make it easy for other people to become connected to you. And that means that when you're standing around looking at what's going on, if you're an observer like I am, make sure you're smiling. People make really fast assumptions. If you look grumpy or you look perplexed or you look pissed, what's going to happen? They're going to say, I don't want to talk to that person. Look at her. And they're going to move on. However, if you look pleasant, if you look like you're having a good time, if you look engaged, what's going to happen is people want to come up and talk to you. Everybody wants to be around that person who seems to be so engaged in the program. So smile. And I don't mean like a creepy smile. I mean just smile. Be part of what's going on. Look like you're having a good time. And then use the name tags as a tool. Everybody has a name tag on at a conference. And if they did it right, the first name is printed in a way that you can read the whole thing. Use that. Walk up and say someone's first name. Hello, Becky. You know, how are you doing? And then also, lots of times at these conferences, they have little badges, little ribbons on if it's their first time that say first timer. Say, welcome. This is your, if you've been to the conference before, use that as a tool to launch a conversation. Oh my gosh, this is your first time here. Congratulations. You know, how are you doing? But don't assume that a first time attendee is a new person to your industry. This happens in the National Speakers Association all the time. People see the new first timer name tag and they think, oh, well, they're a new speaker. Well, that person could be making a million dollars a year. They could have been speaking for 20 years. They could be famous. You don't know, just because they've never made it to your industry's event doesn't mean that they're not a veteran of your industry industry, but use it as a tool to start a conversation. And then my last piece of advice is don't sit with your friends the whole time. Yes, I said I'm excited about the reunion with my buddies. I'm excited to see people who I've known for the past eight years, nine conferences now. It's exciting. And when I see them, I want to run up and give them a hug. But you know, I can't hang with them the whole time. There has to be a time where you bring new people into your tribe. And one of my friends this year, she and I decided that we're going to organize a dinner on sort of the free night where people can do lots of different things. There's some different parties people can go to. 
we decided we're going to organize a dinner. We're going to get like three or four of our friends, but then everybody has to find one or two people who they've never met before and bring them, invite them to join us at a restaurant. We'll get a table for 10 or 12 and we'll get three or four people who know each other and then we'll get people who we've never met. A lot of those people might be first timers. They don't have plans for that night. They don't know what to do. You know what? They'll be thrilled to be included and the rest of us will have the opportunity of really being bumped up with some other really cool people. So that's my take on on this. I know I've done other episodes on attending conferences, so you might say, Tom, you've talked about this before. I think this is extremely important. If you belong to an association, you need to tell the people who run your association that they need to listen to this episode because it has to start at the top. It has to start from the board and the staff who are planning the agenda if you want to have a conference that has a culture for connecting. And that, I mean, that's what I do, right? I'm, I'm known as the conference catalyst. When I speak at a conference or I'm the master of ceremonies, I work really hard to help educate the entire audience on how they can make this the best conference they've ever been to. In fact, I actually title sometimes my, my pre-note speech. If I'm not the keynoter and I do like a 20-minute keynote before sort of the celebrity keynote, I call it a pre-note and I call it best conference ever. And I get up and I make it fun and funny and all that, but what it really does is it sets the tone. I recently spoke at an association conference and every time I ran into somebody on an elevator or in the restaurant, people would come up and they go, Tom, this is the best conference I've ever been to. Because all it takes is, is that foundation. And when the conference sets that tone, it's so much easier for everybody else. But if they just listen to this podcast as an attendee, they can take some of these ideas and they can go in, they can be excited, they can have that enthusiasm and they can really do things that make it better. And I hope if you've listened to this point of the podcast that that's what you're going to do, whether you're going to the National Speakers Association or you're going to the National Plumbers Association or if you're going to you know a conference with 600 doctors or lawyers or you know hotel managers. I hope that you're going to take some of these things into practice and take ownership of really maximizing that conference every single day, every time you walk into an activity. You're making sure that it's all about making the connections with people and cultivating those connections. So I'm really excited to spend the next few days at the National Speakers Association. If I play my cards right, you'll probably hear some great interviews in the upcoming episodes of this podcast because I have brought my mobile recorder with me. And although I'm really busy because I am doing the morning buzz every morning and on the first day I have a committee meeting I have to go to for the morning and then I'm doing the presentation for first timers, but I'm going to try to block off at least two, if not four or five half hour blocks where I can do interviews with some really really, really cool people who have built businesses and are inspiring people who I know through the National Speakers Association. So come back in a couple of days because we're going to have that interview with somebody really, really cool. But in the meantime, I'm going to challenge you. Go out there and have a great day. Thank you for being part of the Cool Things Entrepreneurs Do podcast. Without your participation and listening to these conversations, there is no show. Connect with Tom at TomSinger.com and follow him on Twitter at, at TomSinger. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>